0: Well, thank you, worship team. Hey, Matthew chapter seven, if you have your Bibles, thank you for joining us online, if you tune in there. Thank you, Corbin and the team at Rossville Campus. Man, excited about what God's doing there. Good to see you folks as well. Matthew chapter seven. So I started this sermon series at the beginning of summer called FAQ, Answers to Your Questions uh, in the Christian Life. And that's what Jesus does in Matthew 6 and 7. Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus goes through Matthew 6 and 7, and he um, really just gives us a bunch of how-tos. And so we've looked at those as we've gone through how to pray, how to start a prayer life, how to give, how not to be, uh, you know, Uh, self-righteous. You go back and listen to those sermons. Well, we're rolling into sermon number seven today in this series as we're winding it down here in the summer, and this is maybe one of my most unusual sermon titles, and that is how to get what you want, Matthew chapter 7. It's really what Jesus talked about. Jesus talked about how to get from God what you and I want in life, because if we're going to be honest, there are some things that we want in life, and they're just not handed to us. And so how do we get from God some things we want in life? Well, that's what I want to talk about today so give me a few minutes and let me let me get there we don't always react well when we don't get what we want do we like we want something we don't get it sometimes we don't do very well my youngest grandson Lucas he loves food man I mean he this kid loves food I mean I know what you're thinking I know you're thinking well I love food too no no this kid loves loves food they started him out on just regular food when he was young, just the way they parent. And you can see this is this is normal. This is just called Tuesday with him. That he absolutely loves food. As a matter of fact, Lucas gets very, very excited about food. He gets giddy about food. The other night he got really giddy about a peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> <gasps> yeah. I love it. I love that. Because that's kind of my reaction to food too. <gasps> Peanut butter sandwich. I mean, he gets so, so excited when he gets around food. If he gets a food he likes, he absolutely loves it. But he loves food so much that when he doesn't get what he wants. The other day, Savannah gave him a piece of chocolate. And man, did he love that chocolate. So much so... That when she told him there was no more, she grabbed her phone and videoed his reaction. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay I need
1: some water.
0: Oh, I love it. Cause that's my exact reaction when I'm told there's no more chocolate, too. He is my grandson but right those two videos are kind of us right when we get what we want from God we are so happy and we don't do it out loud but we're a little bit like God gave me what I wanted but when we don't get what we want we're not quite that but on the outside but maybe we are just a little bit on the inside the fact is when we don't get what we want we don't take not getting what we want very well. And part of the problem becomes in the Christian life is that we don't understand how to get what we want from God. We don't understand how it is the, the process of us getting another, can I say it this way, another piece of chocolate from God in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus laid out what it takes for us to get what we want out of life and what we want from him. And I I know, man, even the language I'm using sounds a little weird about how to get what we want. But can we say this? You do want some things, right? There are some things in your life that you want, like you have some family desires for your family that you, you want that. You have some personal desires. You have some personal dreams, some personal goals. You have some spiritual desires. You have some relationship desires. I mean, there are some things that you want from god now hear me god is not a genie in a bottle for christians to rub their bible and, and hope that if i rub it just right god will pop out and give me what i want. no god's not a genie in a bottle but hear me god does want to give us things as a matter of fact proverbs 2 verse 7 says he stores up success for the upright It's a shield for those who live with integrity. I mean, we're told by the Bible itself that God somewhere in heaven has a storehouse of success for us, a storehouse of blessing for us, a storehouse of good for us. It is there, and the question that becomes for the Christian is how do I activate this store of success? How do I activate this store of blessing? this store of wants and desires for my life. Well, Jesus told us how to get what we want. So stand with me and take your Bibles as we honor God's word, as we read it. Matthew chapter 7, look beginning in verse number 7, a passage that will be somewhat familiar to us. ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asking him for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Thank you, you may be seated. These verses are almost always have been interpreted as a prayer verse and we 're going to talk about prayer, but I don 't think they're exclusively that so let me walk through these verses with us for a second and just kind of bring out some things and then i 'll make some application verse number seven is really uh, a, a kind of a famous passage if you 've been around the Bible or know the Bible at all we, we're used to this ask seek and knock of verse number seven three major phrases that that form the backbone of the whole teaching that we'll do. Here, here it is. It says, "Ask, and it will be given unto you." Right. So there are certain things that we're supposed to ask for. But then he goes on and he says, uh, "Seek, and there, there are certain things we'll find." And then he says, "Knock." And the door will be opened unto you. These are three verbs that describe some kind of activity that we ought to be doing and some kind of reward that we should be getting. So here, here are our verbs. We are to ask, we are to seek, we are to knock. And then stuff will be given to us. We will find it, and the door will be open. So over here we're active. Over here we're a bit passive, being acted on. Our job is to ask, seek, and knock. And then it'll be given. It'll be uh, revealed. And then it will be open unto us. These words that describe a pursuit of our lives. For example, when you ask, you want something. We call that what we wish. When you seek. You're looking for something. It's what we miss. And when you knock, you're going somewhere. And that's when you feel shut out. Now there are those that would say all three of these verbs mean prayer and I, and I want to be honest maybe at some level or some definition it could all be prayer but I don't think that is really the primary intent of the passage. If it was God could have just stopped right here with ask and it'll be given to you. I don't think all three of those are necessarily prayer. I think asking for sure is about prayer but I think seeking is about pursuing, looking, searching like an investigator. Can I say this? The word seek here is what I would almost call the questioning phase of getting what I want. Ask is the asking phase. The question, the seeking is the questioning phase. It may be a question like this. What is God wanting from me right here? Why is God not giving me what I want? What do I need to do to get what I want from God? That is the seeking. And the third thing, is knocking, and that is looking for doors of opportunity. Asking, seeking, knocking. Rarely does God answer your prayers with just a prayer. There's almost always more involved. Ask, seek. And knock, I'll, I'll show you in a minute. And then we go on to verse number eight. Verse number eight starts laying out the rewards we'll get for that activity. The asker receives, the seeker finds, the knocker, the door will be opened. Now, all of these are not three different people. It is not one person that's asking and one person that is seeking. No, no, it, I think it, uh, of this as the same person with different activities of pursuit in our lives. So it's not, well, one person asks, one person sees, one person knocks on a door. No, it is you doing all three of those things. It is it is me asking. It is me seeking. It is me knocking. And then it becomes me receiving and finding and having doors of opportunity. So here's what you discover when it comes to getting something from God. It's praying plus searching for God plus looking for opportunities that he may be opening up in my life. Verse number 8. And then verses 9 Through 11, Jesus uses a form of argument called from the lesser to the greater. He says, if you are evil, and we'll talk about that word in a moment, know how to bless your children. He says, so if if your child comes to you and asks for bread, you're not going to give him a rock. If your child comes to you and asks for fish, you're not going to give him a snake. So here's what Jesus is trying to say. That if our children ask us for basic necessities of life, we aren't going to do two things. Number one, we aren't going to torment them by being unhelpful. Right? Dad, I need some food. Here's a rock, son. Well, that's unhelpful. But we're also not going to harm them by being hurtful. Dad, I need some food. Well, play with this snake while I look for you some food. Jesus said if you're not unhelpful and you're not hurtful, And you are a human being and you're evil, but you have the heart to want to give good things to your children. Can I say this? It is built into the DNA coding of a parent into your system that even though you're evil, what what does he mean by evil? Well, he meant sinful and messed up and not perfect, right? That's all of us. It's built into our coding, even as a sinful parent, to want to meet the needs of our children right as basic operational directive of a parent is to meet the needs and bless their children that's your default and so jesus says if that's your default what do you think my default is if your default is to give your children what they want what do you think my default is, God is trying to say? Now, hear me this morning. I think it is a mindset shift that we have to have in our understanding of God. Because there are many of us in this room. And for some of us, it could be the way you were brought up. For some of us, it could be the churches we've been in. For some of us, it could be just a misunderstanding of God. But we have this subconscious idea that God is really out to get us. He's really out to starve us that God is looking for ways to deny us harm us get us and here's what Jesus said God is better than you God is better than me So if you're not trying to harm your children, if your default is to bless your children, if your default is to give those you love what they want, Jesus is saying, then what do you think my default is? Will he not give good things to those who ask him? So how do you get what you want? Jesus said all that, and I think we can draw four statements from it that I really want you to hit her day. Number one is this. How do you get what you want? Number one, you may have to work for it. Let me explain that for just a minute because whatever it is in your life, you feel as if you desperately need from Jesus. I just want to tell you this, based on what Jesus said, do not think that whatever it is you want will come easily. Do not think that that answered prayer, that health need you may have, that that financial miracle you may need, that relationship you need restored. Here I think is the basis of what Jesus was telling us is that you may have to work for it. That's why I believe this isn't three different people or three different singular activities. Well, I, I'm, a, I'm a seeker. I'm a, No, it is. Sometimes you have to pray and then you have to seek and then you have to knock. These are three activities that we have to pursue in order to get what we want. What do you mean? Well, we need to spend time in prayer asking God like that is a real activity. We need to spend time in prayer deepening our walk with God, asking questions of our walk with God, that seeking. We may need to spend time in prayer investigating opportunities that is knocking here's what Jesus would say when you do all of that hear me this morning that is work because somewhere along the way we got the idea that everything in the Christian life ought to be easy Right. We have sayings for it. Just just name it and claim it. Right. That's what they tell us on television. I I hesitate to even you you see a passage like this. I'm like, oh, man, I don't think I'm cleflo dollar this morning. That's not what I'm talking about. How to how to get what you want from God, because I'm really telling you the opposite of that is not just name it and claim it. It is not just pray for it and pay for it. This is what happens, we say, Lord, I, I want a new car, and as a matter of fact, I believe you're going to give me a new car so much that I'm just going to go out and get a loan I can't afford, and I'm just going to get it anyway. No, you're going to send it. No, it's not pray for it and pay for it. It's not I crave it and he gave it. That's not what Jesus is saying. That's not how it works. God never said anything in life was going to be as easy as name it and claim it. It does not come with an easy button. It is not laid out to us on a, a silver platter. So what does he mean? Hear me. This is such an important thing for us to learn. He intentionally wants some things to be hard so that we learn things along the journey as well as the destination. Hear me, God is making some things intentionally hard. And once you understand this, the Christian life and life in general makes more sense. That we, we just we don't do well with heart. We don't do well with hard work. We don't do well with commitment and passion to get what we want. We we, we take the lottery view of the Christian life. I want to buy a $2 ticket and get a billion dollar reward. And Jesus was trying to tell us, no, you may have to ask, you may have to seek, you may have to not. You may have to work. If you want something from God, you you may have to work for it. Carol Lawson is the head coach of the Duke women's basketball team and she gave a speech the other day and I pulled some clips out of the speech because it fit with this passage so much. She said this in her speech, hear me. Uh, She said, we all wait in life for, she's saying this to college girls, she said, we all wait in life for things to get easier. It will never get easier. What happens is you become someone who handles hard stuff better. That's a mental shift that has to occur in each of our brains. It has to, because if you go around waiting for stuff to get easier in life, it's never going to happen. Any meaningful pursuit in life, if you want to be successful at it, it goes to the people that handle hard well. Those are the people that get the stuff they want. So make yourself a person that handles hard well. Not someone that's waiting for the easy, and then whatever comes at you, you're going to be Great, I love this statement. Make yourself a person that handles hard well. Jesus was trying to tell us, make yourself a person that handles hard well. You, You may have to work for it because God uses the journey in your life as well as the destination. If God just handed you what you wanted you would never be able to handle what he actually gave you. And so God makes things difficult so that we have to ask for them, so that we have to seek for them, so that we have to go around looking ourselves for opportunities. Why? Because he's using that journey as well as the destination. Oh, let me give you some some examples. You remember Joseph in the Old Testament? It was God's will that Joseph wind up in Egypt as the second man in charge. So basically, Joseph was going to be the prime minister of Egypt in order to rescue his family the children of israel that was god's will for joseph's life so look this is easy he's god right he's god so all god's got to do is got to take joseph and put him in the palace and then everything's going to be okay but you know that wasn't exactly the journey joseph went to a pit first and it was god's will he'd be in a palace joseph went to prison next we're talking about for years But it was God's will for him to be in a palace. And if I'm Joseph, I mean, he's already had the dream. He already knows he's going to be in command. If I'm Joseph, I'm like, hey, God, can we skip the middle parts? I just, I want to get to the palace. Like, I saw that. Can we just get there? And God said, no, it's it's, it's going to be difficult because the journey matters as much as the destination. You're not the kind of person that can handle the palace. Until you've been through the pit and the prison first. The craziest examples to me is Moses in the Old Testament. God takes Moses out on the desert and he said, Moses, here's what I'm going to do. Man, I'm going to use you to rescue the children of Israel from Egypt. And I mean, Moses saw it. Bush that didn't burn. I mean, like God's all over this thing. There's no doubt it was Moses that God it was God that was talking to Moses and God's like, here's what we're gonna do, Moses. Man, this is so fun, Moses. I'm gonna send you down to Pharaoh, and you're gonna tell him to let the people go, and then you're gonna be the person that leaves them out of Egypt victorious, two million people. You're gonna march them out. And Moses like, yes, let's do it, God. I'm going down there today. And he goes down to Egypt. And he said, by the way, Pharaoh, God said, Let my people go. Moses like, hey, God, I thought there'd be angels singing or something right now. Fire from heaven fall. Pharaoh looked around, wondered what Moses was looking at, and Pharaoh's like, no. So Moses goes back to God, and he said, God, I thought we had a plan. I was going to go lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, and God said, oh, you are, you are. It's just that there's a process and a journey that's going to be really difficult that I want to put you through first. And I don't know if you're as simple minded as me. But I don't want the process and the journey. I don't want the ten plagues. I just want the vacation time out of Egypt. That's all I'm looking for. And God said no. No gonna, we're going to go through this plague thing. And blood thing. And people are going to die. And Pharaoh's going to try to kill you. And kill others. Like, it's going to get rough. So here's the part I have a hard time with. Hear me. Maybe you don't. Maybe it's just me. If at the end of the day, God is going to rescue the children of Israel, then just do it already. Right? If he's God, why do we have to go through all the 10 plagues and the blood and the death and all that other stuff? I'll tell you why. God made it hard. Because the journey mattered as much as the destination. I mean, we we can go all day long, right? You got Joshua in the Old Testament that God said you're going to lead the children of Israel into the promised land, and 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 uh, and Joshua's like, cool, let's do it, and and they march across the river, and the first thing to do has to get in a fight. But here's the deal, and I don't have time to do this with all of them. I really could, I I could just camp here for a while. But here's the deal, God told Joshua, you're going to inhabit the uh, promised land, but you know what he told him? He never told him he wasn't going to fight. He told him he was going to have to fight, but he'd win the battles. So you know how we operate? We want to take the promised land without a fight, but God never promised us success without a fight, He just promised us we'd win the battle. Success doesn't come without a fight, success comes with the fight. And we win the battle. David was gonna, I, mean, I keep going, David was gonna be king, remember. And God comes along and Samuel anoints David as king. When he was just a little kid, we're talking 12, 13 years old, he anoints David as king. We'll just make him king already. And and Samuel, uh, God whispers to David and he said, hey, don't get too excited. I know how God works. Stuff's going to happen between now and then. And here's what happened. By the way, there's a 10-foot tall giant standing in your way. I don't know about you, but I'd rather not have to fool with the giant. But the journey matters. Daniel had to go through the lion's den. I keep going, I don't have time. Jesus had to go through the cross to get to the resurrection. I don't know what it is that you desperately crave and want from the Lord. I'm just telling you that you may have to work for it. You may have to ask. You may have to seek. You may have to knock. And some of you here this morning, and you, you want something from the Lord. And you said, well, I've prayed about it. Let me ask you a question. Have you prayed all night long for it? No. But at the red light the other day, I whispered a prayer prayer. Have you prayed without ceasing? Have you prayed without fail? Have you sold out your life to God and committed your life to him above all? Are you looking out, looking for opportunities for God to open doors? I'm just telling you, when you want something from the Lord, really want it, you're going to have to put some effort into it. You know what I can imagine? I can't imagine God having all the saints of old do hard things, and he's just going to let us sit on the couch. And he's going to hand it to us. Now, it may be hard. You may have to work for it because in God's economy, the journey is turning you into the person that can handle what it is you actually want. Number one, Jesus was saying you have to work for it. Number two, Jesus was saying this, you actually may not want it. See, the truth is, some here just heard what you want may be hard, and the minute you hear that, you decide you don't want it as much as you thought you did. Did you know that one reason God puts us on a journey and one reason things may be hard for our wants is that along the way, we decide we don't really want what we think we want. Sometimes the very thing we're praying for turns out to be the very thing we do not need. And it took a journey or it took a difficulty to figure that out. How many of you, you've heard this term before? You, you, you've heard the term photographic memory. How many of you would love to have a photographic memory? If you're in high school, college, like right, you'd love it. You'd love it. You'd love it. Do you know a photographic memory is actually not a thing? There are some people who have something close to that uh and, and that's the word I've been practicing saying this word for a week but uh mnemonist I think you don't know so I can say anything <laughs> let me say anything Nimonist. Nemonist. I looked up on YouTube I forgot I don't care anyway that's what it is so, so it's, it's close there was, there was a there was a Russian man and now I'm going to have a hard time saying his name Solomon Cherishivsky so we're going to call him Solomon, from this point forward, he, he in the 1920s, he was at work one day, and he was scolded for not taking notes, and in the work meeting, his boss scolded him, I think he was a reporter, and, and his boss scolded him for not taking notes, and he said, I don't, I don't need to take notes, and at which point, he recited word for word everything his boss had said previously, perfectly. And throughout his life, he was able to do that. He became famous kind of from that point forward, able to memorize complex mathematical formulas, poems in foreign languages he'd never heard. I mean, you just name it. They would give him big tomes of stuff to memorize, and he could memorize it easily. But he was born with a condition called synesthesia, synesthesia, synesthesia. And here's what it is. It's an amazing. He joined together of sensations that are normally experienced separately. So when Solomon heard a word, he would also see a color. When Solomon heard a word, this is weird, he would feel like as if somebody touched him on a certain part of his skin. When Solomon heard a word, he might smell something or see a shape or a combination of all of those things. And so when he heard words, he didn't hear words. His other five senses engaged, and so he was able to build this mental image of everything. And so he automatically translated the world around him into vivid mental images that lasted for a lifetime. Here, let me read this. If he was asked to memorize a word, he could not only hear it, he could also see a color. On some occasions, he would also experience a taste in his mouth and a feeling on his skin. Later on, when he was asked to repeat a word, he, he had a number of triggers to remind him. Like He just had this incredible memory. And he became a celebrity. And in the early days of television in the 1940s, he was on television. He did huge stadium events and on magazines. And I said, I bet you're thinking what I thought, that he, he died a wealthy man, a sensation. It became an absolute curse to his life. Because he couldn't forget horrible memories in his life. He couldn't eat some foods because they brought up terrible images. He eventually left society and became a taxi driver and drank himself to death. Trying to get rid of memories. And I tell you that to say a photographic mind sounds great until you get it. And all of a sudden, you can't forget anything. Do you know a lot of our wants are the same way? They sound great until we have it. One reason God makes things hard is so that we can figure out what we really want. So, you may be here this morning and have a want and a desire, and you wonder why you don't have it. Why is God making it difficult? Why is God prolonging this answer to prayer? God may be giving you time to figure out that you do not need it. Do you know that some things, if you're going to pray, seek and knock, some things eliminate themselves when you pray. Right? There's some desires of our heart that when you sit down to pray about it, you're like, eh, that doesn't sound like something I ought to say in prayer. That when we begin to search our own hearts and seek out God, The closer we grow to him, the less that thing is that we want. And then when we start looking for opportunities, and there are none, maybe it's not God's will for our life. And our wants and desires sometimes turn into the very thing we do not need. I almost bet this morning that you have prayers, you have prayed in your life, that you are thankful to God he did not answer your prayer. Right, because that teenage girl didn't turn out to be near as cute as what you thought she was going to be when you were in middle school. You're like, Lord, let me marry him. He's the hottest thing ever. Captain of the football team. Now he's a couch that burps. You didn't get what you wanted, but you look back and you're thankful. One reason he makes it hard is you may not want it. Number three, I just, I'm going to have to hit these. Next two, move on. Number two, you may need to reposition. Well, let me explain this one because this is important, but I, I need I need you to hear it, but I'll do it quickly. Here, here's something that's hard for us to grasp, grasp, right? God is looking to do good in your life. Can you receive that today? God's looking to do good in your life. He gives, he uncovers, he opens doors. All those are ways of describing the blessings of God in our lives, right? He gives, he uncovers, he opens doors. But you have to understand Scripture in its totality. There are other verses that talk about God answering our prayers and blessing us and, and I want to just take maybe all of those and sum it up today because there are some things that are required for us to receive the blessings of God. First of all, you got to believe that it's true or believe that it can actually happen. What do you mean? Well, the Bible says this about you getting what you want from God. The Bible says, and if you believe you will receive whatever you ask in prayer. So already we know there's a prerequisite even to that praying part, right? That when we come to God, God wants you to understand that you are actually asking God. The God of the universe, not some guy, he wants you to believe that he, you will receive whatever you ask in prayer. That's called faith. Right? And so we know that to get what we want from God, there's this prerequisite of prayer that I can't dismiss that if I want something and I ask God for it, there has to be a measure of faith. The second thing you have to understand is that you have to be blessable. What does that mean? Well, look look here in Psalm 37. Trust in the Lord and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you Your heart's desire sounds just like Matthew chapter 7. Commit your ways to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. But what this verse is doing is telling you to position yourself to be blessable. Why? God says that he wants to give you the desires of his heart. He wants to act on your behalf. But look at all the stuff he wants you to do. He wants you to trust in him. He wants you to do what is good. He wants you to take delight in him. He wants you to commit your ways to the Lord. He wants you to trust in him. Why? Because all of that is positioning yourself to be And one reason we don't get what we want from the Lord is we have not positioned ourselves to be blessable. God is looking to bless you, but we sometimes have to put ourselves in a position to get what we want. I I read this in the Wall Street Journal just a couple of weeks ago that the International Journal of Hygiene and Environmental Health, you didn't know that existed, but it does, conduct a review of scientific literature to determine perfect temperature for work performance. Did you hear that? Perfect temperature. If people work for you, listen to what I'm about to say. The study found that the optimal range for cognitive and work performance is between 71 degrees Fahrenheit and 75 degrees Fahrenheit. Or for the communists in the room, 22 degrees Celsius to 24 degrees Celsius. Right, this is the optimal work performance. That if you set it here, people can get more mental and physical work done. In other words, productivity has a setting that you need to get to in order to get the productivity you desire. And here's what God would say about getting what you want. That blessing and favor have a setting too. It's called faith and faithfulness. Faith and faithfulness. I mean, sometimes we don't get what we want. We have to ask ourselves, how blessable am I? I mean, really, if God's got a storehouse of success, I've got to ask myself, how blessable am I? How is my faith factor? How is my faithfulness factor? Most of us operate in the realm of we don't really believe God, we're not really committed our life to God, and we're not really blessable. Then number four, I'm, I'm just stopping. Number four. Matthew 7 tells me this, I may have to just trust That whole comparison Jesus made to his care for us versus an earthly parent's care for the children tells me this one statement. Here it is. That Jesus can be trusted with the wants and desires of my heart. That Jesus can be trusted with the wants and desires of my heart. That means if you have a heart's desire, ask, seek, and knock. Work for it. And have faith and be faithful. What else is there to do, preacher? Then just trust God. If it's not happening, you may have to trust God that he knows what's best for your life. And if it's not his will, his will is always the best. Close your Bibles and I'm, I'm finished. Teresa Lucas lives in Minnesota. She was coming back from visiting family a few hours away. There was a storm brewing over the weekend, and her daughter was afraid that her mom was out in the middle of the storm. So she did what she wasn't supposed to do. She took her phone, and she snapped a picture of the highway, and she texted it to her daughter. So her daughter would know where she was. And when her daughter got the photo, here's what she saw. Now I don't know what you see, but when I saw this photo, I had fear in my heart. Because I thought the ocean was spilling over onto the ground. And maybe you can't see it, I don't know. But I had to stare and stare and stare at this photo until I figured out that's not the ocean. Those are just clouds. She looked at the photo when she got home and she was like, it looks as if the ocean is about to swallow the earth. In other words, when I saw it, I don't know about Teresa, when I saw it, what I thought it was isn't really what it was. sometimes the joy and the happiness and the peace you thought would come into your life if you just got this thing is not really going to happen. And sometimes you just have to trust God.
1: Would you stand with me? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that that great message on um, asking and seeking and knocking and allowing God to meet our needs and um, to give us the desires of our heart. And truly, when, when we are walking in fellowship with Him um, and our, our, our desires are aligned with His will, um, He answers our prayers. And so, um, and gives us what, what we need. And um, what a great reminder of that this morning. Hey, and maybe for you, your first request is that you begin a relationship with Jesus. Is that you ask Him for the gift of salvation. And that begins with you understanding that you're a sinner. And just like Adam and Eve were separated from God when they sinned in the Garden of Eden, we're separated from God by our sin. But it doesn't have to stay that way. God sent Jesus to die on the cross to take the penalty and punishment for us so that we could begin a relationship with Him and have a home in heaven one day. And maybe you've never started that relationship with Him. I want to invite you to do that today. It is simply you being willing to admit that you're a sinner. That you've offended God with your disobedience to Him. Believing that Jesus died on the cross, the gospel story is that Jesus died that he was buried and on the third day he rose again to pay the penalty for our sin. You've got to believe that. And then third, you've got to confess him as your personal Lord and savior. Romans chapter 10 verse nine and 10 says, we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we will be saved. If you need to do that this morning, it's as simple as telling God this, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. Lord, I know there's nothing I can do to fix the separation between me and you, but you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for my sins. Lord, just now I ask you to come into my heart, take away my sin, be my savior. Lord, I give my life to you. If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning and you meant it, I wanna say welcome to the family. In fact, I wanna say that we want to connect with you and help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. And so if you would, click on the link we've just dropped in the chat box that says, I commit my life to Christ. And um, it's gonna ask you a couple of questions just so that we can connect with you and send you some information information that'll help you take next steps with Jesus. Hey, it's been great to be together this morning. Um, I'm thankful for you.